In fact, I'm going to go ahead and, and jump right in. Our, our passage may not immediately seem like a parable. But with our definition of parable, meaning to toss alongside, to use something familiar in order to compare it, as it were, or to contrast it even uh, to some sort of a spiritual truth or an element of living as a member of the kingdom of God, I believe that it, it would qualify. From Matthew 11, beginning with the 16th verse. But to what shall I compare this generation? Jesus says. It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sing a dirge and you did not mourn. For John, meaning John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look at him, a, glut, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. <clears throat> I thought, and I'll need you to indulge me a little bit, but I thought I would use my imagination to try to think about how a person living at the time of Jesus and John the Baptist, if asked, may have tried to explain their respective ministries. Very different ministries. So I gave it a shot. Let's imagine that a first century person would say something like this. They were two famous men who had great impact, though neither lived very long. The first one was named John. We first heard about him when he was baptizing by immersing people, dunking people, in the Jordan River. He preached that this was symbolic of God's call to us to repent of our sins. The Jewish people knew what baptism was, but they thought of it as something required for a Gentile to enter into Judaism, to convert into Judaism. But John the Baptist indicated it was a requirement for us, already Jewish by birth folk, too. Now, the religious authorities thought that our ethnicity, our bloodline, our identity as God's elect, his chosen nation, and obeying his laws was sufficient. And John's requirement that we be baptized like some common Gentile really irritated them. Not only was his teaching unique, his appearance and his habits were too. 
You may have heard that he wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He made us think of the prophets in our Hebrew scriptures, especially Elijah. And then his diet, locusts and wild honey. He qualified as politely eccentric, more direct, weird. His message focused on a simple moral life lived in the light of the imminent coming day of God's judgment. His teaching was a threat, though, to the status quo and the temple system. He was presenting a way to God outside of what we were used to. All that said, it wasn't all all that surprising when Herod had him arrested, especially after he so boldly spoke out against Herod having married his brother's ex-wife. And then we received word of John's gruesome execution. It's interesting to think back on John's life and the way that he appealed to the masses. His message was harsh and yet so popular. John didn't sugarcoat anything. He spoke straight. Underlying his message was the way he kept pointing to someone he called the coming one. One that we heard he one that we heard would baptize not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. When John said he was preparing the way for this one who would come. One day he actually pointed to one of his distant cousins and said, Look, the Lamb of God. Messianic excitement, this thought that. Someone would come and deliver us from the hand of Rome. Really began to spread. And this brings me to the second person. Jesus. It was said he was from Nazareth in Galilee. That was just a very small, easy to overlook town. Not long after John was imprisoned and executed, rumors began to fly about spectacular miracles that Jesus was performing. There were those who said that they tasted wine that he had miraculously created out of just water. Others explained that he had the ability to touch and heal lepers and somehow himself not contract that highly infectious disease. He could even provide miraculous catches of fish for experienced fishermen who had fished all night and caught nothing. Though most of his ministry and teaching was done in and around Galilee, there was a very unique theme that was included in almost all reports about Jesus. We knew when we heard it, it was true because no one would make this up. The rumor was that he would willingly and willfully associate with what we would call the riffraff of society. 
That decision really angered the religious and social leaders. He called a tax collector, of all people, to be one of his 12 closest followers. There are a multitude of professions he could have chosen from, and yet he called a traitor. One who worked for Rome. One who ripped off his own people to follow him and be one of his inner twelve. Not only did he call a tax collector, he would throw parties, attend parties, eat and drink with people that we would just kind of look down on. He was not concerned with kosher table laws or pure uh, uh, laws associated with purity washing. Other reports told us about Jesus hanging around with the poor, Samaritans, as if tax collectors weren't bad enough. <laughs> Samaritans, even associating and having conversation with women in public. Now, for us today, some of these things may not seem as suspect. But in Jesus' day, he was checking all of the boxes of folk that well-respected people would just not be around. For obvious reasons, his popularity with the marginalized of society exploded. But it wasn't just them. Everywhere he went, he was surrounded by crowds. And people began to suspect that he was the Lamb of God. That he was the Messiah. One day, Jesus was teaching before John's execution, but during his imprisonment. And word was that some of John's followers had come from visiting John in prison. And they asked Jesus on John's behalf if Jesus really was the Messiah. You can understand the motivation for the question. John had announced Jesus as being as much and soon after found himself in prison. Apparently, Jesus didn't give a direct enough answer, but simply told the questioners to remind John of the miracles Jesus had worked. And then as something of a commentary on what was going on, Jesus said the words that we read just a moment ago. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. John came neither eating nor drinking this austere life and ministry. And you said he has a demon. The son of man came in the opposite way, eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and Samaritans. And they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This really is something of a short parable. 
Jesus was using it to describe people's reactions to he and John. He was comparing them to two groups of playmates at a party. One kept proposing games to play. The other refused to accept any suggestion or join in and play. Jesus is saying that this conflict at the party that he's imagining was similar to the reaction the leaders of the day had to Jesus and to John. They rejected the stern call to repentance that dominated John's preaching. But they were at the same time equally outraged by Jesus partying with the supposed unclean people in their society. So if we were to attempt to combine the teachings of Jesus and John, the message that dominated their ministry, it may be, it may be the balance that the life of a member of the kingdom of God should have. As we attempt to separate ourselves from sin, but not at the cost of associating with sinners. The problem for many religious, even way back in the first century, and it probably remains true today, is our propensity to focus on separating from sin and sinners. (laughs) Jesus and John demonstrate it's not only possible, but the responsibility of a member of God's kingdom to be close to God while loving and getting close to even folk in our own society who we may be suspicious of for whatever reason. This is not an easy teaching, but it is one given to us by the Lord Jesus. May we seek to live it out and faithfully follow the call of Jesus while remembering the one who pointed to him as the Savior of the world.